Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. This episode is the first of a series where we are going to answer all of your questions about family history centers. When I'm done with you, you won't have a single excuse left for hesitating to use these wonderful family history research resources. And my very special guest is friend of the show, Marjorie Bell, Assistant Director of the Oakland Family History Center in Oakland, California. You'll remember Marjorie's warm personality and expert knowledge from Episode 1 of the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast. Well, she has over 35 years of working experience in family history centers, and she's going to share her experience with you so that you can get the most out of them. In our first segment, she'll introduce us to the Family History Center and walk us step-by-step through the process for ordering and using microfilm. We do have them for our members, but uh, as long as we have them open, we invite the world to certainly come. And we'd love to have you come. And everyone who does family history is moving the work forward. So unlike most libraries, when you go into a family history center, you're being given access to the actual microfilmed copies of the original um, birth, marriage, and death records, the deeds, the probates, the tax records, anything that they have in that county courthouse. Or a church, if we go into a church, or cemetery records, whatever the sexton has. So we have this enormous collection of records that you can sit in a family history center and essentially search the courthouse 3,000 miles from you. Then in our second segment, Marjorie discusses the wide range of resources beyond microfilm that you will find both at your local family history center and any of the larger 14 regional centers. We're all willing to do the genealogy happy dance with you. a very personal question for you. Are you ready? Have you ever been to a family history center? It's okay. Just me and you talking. I won't say anything. Now, you may be new to genealogy or you might have years of experience, but if you haven't been to a family history center, you just haven't lived genealogically speaking. Now, don't feel bad if you haven't. Lots of people haven't. Sometimes they just feel shy about trying something new. Sometimes they they don't know how to find one near them. And let's just admit it right here and now. Some are just the teeniest bit afraid that if they walk into the church where family history centers happen to be located, someone's going to either try to get them to join the church or throw them out because they aren't members of the LDS church. Believe me, you're not the first person to have that cross their mind. But my hope is that you will be the last, because in this series of episodes, we are going to demystify the Family History Center. This is a no-holds-barred examination, everything that you wanted to know, but were afraid to ask. And who better to hold our hand and walk us through 
then friend of the show, Marjorie Bell, Assistant Director of the Oakland Regional Family History Center. She's going to tell us everything that we need to know and to get the most out of the Family History Center and answer some of those nagging questions. And she's going to give us some inside scoop. So even if you've already been to a Family History Center, you're still going to learn some new things along the way. Well, as promised, we are going to dive into and really get familiar with family history centers. And I have invited back to the show my dear friend Marge Bell. And I am so pleased that, Marge, you could join us today because when I thought about family history centers and the person that I would want to orient me to one if I uh, was brand new, that would be you. So thank you so much for coming back to the show today. Thank you for having me. And you're right. I've lived in family history centers for about 35 years now. So. So you know your way around. (laughs) Yes. Well, and you may remember Marge from episode number one, and um, she shared some stories. And and Marge is the assistant director over at the Family History Library, the regional library in Oakland, California. And one of the questions I want to ask you is, just just so we can clarify, because we have lots of folks who maybe have never been inside a family history center or uh, been familiar with the Family History Library. What's the difference? There's a family history library in Salt Lake City, and then there are family history centers. Can you just start us out by explaining what the difference is, or if they're connected, or how they're connected? Sure, sure. Um, when I first started in what, what we now call family history centers, they were called branch libraries, because they are branches of the Salt Lake City Library. The main um, LDS church genealogy library in Salt Lake is called the Family History Library. But the enormous resources that are there are just there in Utah, and it's not exactly easy for everyone all over the world to get to. Exactly. And so um, the church has created smaller branch libraries of what we now call family history centers, little hubs of genealogy uh, all over the world. And um, we have access to the microfilm and microfiche holdings of the Salt Lake Library on interlibrary loan. So the roughly almost 3 million rolls of microfilm that are now available in Salt Lake City are also available for a, for a small fee on loan to family history centers throughout the entire world. Exactly. And and I think that helped me understand a little bit more about the difference because the library is just packed full, five floors of shelves of books, rolls of microfilms, all those kinds of things. When you step into your local family history center, which is typically housed at a an LDS church location, is that correct? Right. Then you really aren't walking into shelves of books and microfilms. It's really like a, a satellite office where you order the films, order cop- photocopies, and they're sent there, and then you can view them there and use the computers and, and extend from there. Does that sound like the right kind of description? Right. And, and some family history centers have more holdings than others. Some are very small. Some are housed in one tiny little room, mm-hmm. and they have one or two microfilm readers and one or two computers. Others, uh, like our regional center, can have 35,000 rolls of microfilm in our permanent collection and 10,000 microfiche and maybe 30 computers. But you're more likely to find where you live a small center, a volunteer who keeps it open and has maybe some knowledge of genealogy, but maybe limited, um, 
we get asked to run a family history center or work in a family history center the same way in another church you might be asked to teach a Sunday school class. doesn't mean you're an expert teacher. It just means you're a willing person. And so a lot of your family history center staff are simply willing people, willing to open the library and let you use it or the family history center. So it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that uh, owns and operates the Family History Library. We find the Family History Centers located in their churches. Uh, the number one question I tend to get from people is, do I have to be a member of the LDS Church to use a Family History Center? And the answer is... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, most of us run uh, at least 70% of our, of our patrons are not members of the LDS Church. We do have them for our members, but uh, as long as we have them open, we invite the world to certainly come. And uh, we'd love to have you come. And everyone who does family history is moving the work forward. So, Exactly. And, and when you step into a family history center, you're welcomed. I've never had anybody try to ask me what church I attend or anything else. So really, they're there to help you with family history. You're there to find out about family history, and you can feel very comfortable in that environment, can't you? Oh, yes, absolutely. We have uh, instructions not to do proselyting. Um, in our family history centers. You will not be asked to join the church or anything like that. No, you'll just be helped with your genealogy. And certainly, help with genealogy is what you get. I have been to several different locations. Everyone is so totally helpful, very interested, wants to see you succeed. It's a nice feeling, particularly when you've been doing that research, um, maybe at home with your computer. There's nobody cheering you on. You walk in a center and they cheer you on. That's right. That's right. We're all willing to do the genealogy happy dance with you. (laughs) Exactly. Marjorie has certainly taken the mystery out of ordering and using microfilm. Well, now she's going to dig into all the other kinds of genealogical resources that we can also find at family history centers. You know, when we were talking about the different sizes of family history centers, my most local one is located in the next town over from where I live. It's a small one. It's, you know, the one room, and it's got a couple of computers. And I've been able to order microfilms and have them sent Um, to that location. So in our last episode, we went through the Family History Library and the catalog online. So we have a pretty good sense of how to find that microfilm we want to see. I promised the listeners that you would explain to us how we can get our hands on it and how we can view the microfilm. So what's the steps for that? Um, Depends on where you are. If you're in the uh, California Bay Area, check our website and see if we've already got it. Um, But most... uh, most likely you would want to contact your local family history center. You want to find the closest one to you. Um, some of them will handle a film order by mail. Most of them probably would. They would prefer that you come in. The process is you fill out an order form. It's a small little letter-sized form that you write the number of the microfilm, the the location, you know, for instance, it comes from Potter County, Pennsylvania, and it's the probate index, and it's film number, whatever. And then you put your name and address on it, you pay the fee, and then they order the microfilm. They will then contact you, depending on the size of the center and the amount of uh, microfilm that they get every week, they will either call you or email you or send you a letter and tell you the film has arrived. You then have 
uh, usually about five weeks to use that film in the center. You cannot take it away from the center. Right. Um, and then uh, it will go back to Salt Lake. If you if you find when you get into it that it's going to take you a little longer to look at it, you can renew it and keep it for an additional five weeks. And then if you renew it a second time, it stays until you're finished with it. Great. So there's not a lot of pressure to uh, send it right back. and um, Because I know sometimes they're making copies of these rolls, aren't they? Because they send them out to many different locations. Oh, yes. They have a the Granite Mountain in Utah is, as I understand it, the perfect in, internal temperature and humidity to maintain microfilm. Yeah. And so um, when they need copies, they make them. They have uh, the master copy is kept in that vault. I understand that a bomb hitting outside of it wouldn't uh, damage it very much. And, oh, wow. uh, and uh, we preserve microfilms from all over the world in there. And we're now in the process of digitizing those microfilms. So the day will come when they will be available online. Many of them already are. And we'll talk more about that. One more question about the, the ordering of the microfilms. If um, someone has listened to the show and they've, they've looked through the library catalog and either they're finding a large number and they're not sure where to start or they're not finding the microfilm that they think probably is out there, could they come into a family history center, let you know what kind of record they're looking for? Would, would someone there be willing to help sit down and, and locate the appropriate file num- that microfilm number and, and order it for them? Um, certainly. If you found uh, that you had someone who didn't know how to do that, because we go back to the volunteers, mm-hmm. there's usually someone there who does. Okay. And if there isn't someone there who does, all family history centers have the ability to call Salt Lake and say, look, I'm oh. looking for this. They call family history center support. They get somebody on the phone who can find it. And so we have lots of resources to be able to help you. I love that. There's some tenacity there. They will stick with you, and they'll help make sure that you can locate it. And uh, the cost of ordering a microphone really isn't that expensive, is it? No, and it depends on the center exactly what you're charged. Um, Salt Lake charges us a $5.50 fee for the order and for each renewal. And we are entitled to add to that. We have to add tax, depending on where we are. And we add some sort of a postage fee. So in our library, for instance, it's $6.45 is your total cost, covers the tax, our mailing you a letter that tells you your film has arrived and when it's going back. And then there's a $6 fee for the renewal. And we're really not making a profit on that. We're, we are a nonprofit library, so we're not allowed to make a profit. We, we figure out what it's going to cost us. So it might be a little less in a small center where they can just pick up the phone and call you. But in our center where we're bringing um, 70 or so films a week into the library, we just can't make that many phone calls. And and we'll come back because I want to talk a little bit more about using resources like microfilm and book and that kind of thing. But going back to the centers and locating that Family History Center near you, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the page on the Family History Library website where they can type in a zip code yes. or their city and state and locate the one right. near them. Right. And um, <clears throat> each one is a, is a little different size, maybe staffed differently and has a variety of hours. So 
I would guess it's probably pretty important to double check those hours before you head out and drive over there, right? Yes, it is. Um, when you go to familysearch.org, which link you're going to have, and you click on, just for regular, you'll click on library and then family history center, and then put in your area that you're looking for, and you'll find the closest family history centers. It will give you hours and a phone number. I would suggest that you always call the phone number. Um, some of us are pretty careful at keeping that website up to date mm -hmm. and putting all of our vacation times and everything on it. Other smaller centers, um, maybe not so um, aware that that's even there. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we go back to volunteers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would always call a check and make sure that those are still the hours. Uh, you might encourage the director to update his records, but uh, yeah, always yeah, call. a quick phone call is worth the time and effort, considering it may Absolutely. be a half an hour in the car or something. Yes. Okay. Yes, you bet. Marjorie has certainly taken the mystery out of ordering and using microfilm. Well, now she's going to dig into all the other kinds of genealogical resources that we can also find at family history centers. We talked a little bit about microfilm. What other kinds of resources? And this was interesting. I actually want to go back to something that you said, which was um, that there at the Oakland Family History Center, you actually have many, many thousands of rolls of microfilm. I didn't realize that so much. I knew you guys had shelves and shelves of books and everything, but I didn't realize that checking your catalog might mean that it's right there on the shelf, okay. and I don't need to order and pay for it. So tell us a little bit more about that. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, the um, microfilming program of the church, essentially, um, go people go around and and inventory records in any given area. So take a, a little county courthouse somewhere. Somebody would show up at that county courthouse, tell them what they were what they were there for, and would inventory their records and decide which records would be of most value to the most people who were doing genealogy from that area. Then we would make appointments and agreements to be allowed to microfilm those records. So unlike most libraries, when you go into a family history center, you are being given access to the actual microfilmed copies of the original um, birth, marriage, and death records, the deeds, the probates, the tax records, anything that they have in that county courthouse. Or a church, if we go into a church, or cemetery records, whatever the sexton has. So we have this enormous collection of records that you can sit in a family history center and essentially search the courthouse 3,000 miles from you. Mm -hmm. or So depending on, each library has a collection of films depending on what people have ordered. Some family history centers have a rather eclectic collection sure. because they'll have a patron who has ordered every microfilm from Timbuktu, um, Nova Scotia. And so they have this huge Nova Scotia collection. Mm -hmm. In our area, um, the little Livermore, California Family History Center has a huge collection of New York Quaker records because a patron has ordered them, renewed them, renewed them again, and they never got sent back. I see. Other family history centers, like ours, we are regional centers, we have more room, we have an actual collection idea. 
so that my job in the library is adding to our collection. It's one of the things, collection development. And so every time we are preparing films to send back to Salt Lake, I go through that into a whole list and look them up in the, on the uh, catalog. And if they meet our criteria, we pay the difference to renew it that second time and oh. we keep it. So if somebody orders an index to probate records or an index to deeds from anywhere in the United States or a birth, marriage, or death record from a county or an index at the state level, we pay the difference and we add it to our collection. So we have over the years added anywhere from 2 to 20 films a week we're adding to our library and cataloging in. So we have explored the Family History Library in Salt Lake City, their catalog online. But the Family History Center of Oakland then, which is a much larger regional-type center, and there would be other ones around the country, you're going to have your own online catalog then, is yes. that right? Yes. And, and how do we access that? Is that separate from the main Salt Lake City catalog? Yes. Uh, ours is oaklandfhcfamilyhistorycenter.org. And we are in the process of cataloging all of the family history centers in our region into our catalog. So you can go to our website if you're in the California Bay Area. You could go to our website and you could search the Concord Family History Center, the Livermore, Antioch, so on. Or you can search all of them at once and see if any library in the region has this film that you're looking for before you order it. Would it be fairly safe to say that most major cities would have more of a regional um, size? No, No, it's not. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about what we can expect to find um, around the country. There are 14 regional centers in the world. Uh, One is in London. Um, The others are in the United States, uh, Mesa, San Diego, um, Ogden, Logan, St. George, Utah, Rexburg, Idaho, I believe, Sacramento, California, Los Angeles, San Diego, and Oakland. Sounds like mostly on the West Coast. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and I'm very lucky. (laughs) I'm very lucky to live near one so close. But, of course, you know, all all of the records or the microfilms are available for ordering. But certainly, it sounds like if you're in the Western um, states, it's worth taking a peek at the regional family history center in your area because they very well may have it right there on the shelf. That's what you're saying. And it's going to be a little different for each center, so we need to, to check their catalogs to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Every every center is independent as far as what they do and how well-funded they are, mm-hmm. and uh, we're very fortunate in this area. But each family history center, just because I have 35,000 rolls of microfilm, I may not have your county right. in your state, but every family history center in the world would have access to getting that on interlibrary loan for you. So... We run 650 patrons a month, and we're still ordering microfilms every single day yeah. and checking them in, you know, so. Now, is it still true that for a microfiche, I remember a couple of years back I was talking to somebody at the center, and they were saying, well, when we order microfiche, it just stays here. We don't send it back. Is that true? That's, that is true, yes. Okay. Microfiche is cheaper to create and, and mail once than it is to mail twice. <laughs> so we don't send them back. We keep them, anything that is. So we have quite a large collection of microfiche. So particularly in the case of microfiche, it's going to be worth that extra look before you go ordering, although they are less expensive to order. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's something like, uh, I think it's $2.50 for the first five and then $0.15 cents a piece after that or something okay. like that. 
Now, we've talked about microfilm and microfiche. Uh, microfilm, I think, is exciting just because you're sitting there and you're scrolling through and that page comes across. And right. it, it's very much like the digital pages that you're seeing online. What other types of materials do you have, I assume? Books. Books, yes. Um, periodicals. We get several, um, like the National Genealogical Society, the New England Historic and Genealogical Society. Their monthly publications. Their monthly or bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a lot of our patrons that are members of various organizations. They, for instance, I'm a member of the Tioga County, Pennsylvania Genealogical Society because that's where one of my, you know, my people come from. So a lot of us that get newsletters on a monthly or, or bi-monthly time period, we donate them to the library when we're done with them. Otherwise, we end up with these huge libraries. Yeah. <laughs> so we keep, um, depending on on how much genealogy they are versus just newsletter. If it's just oh, a right. newsletter, like the California Genealogical Society newsletter, we'd keep a year. But if it's something that they put out periodically with cemetery records or whatever for a little county, then we would have a nice collection of those. We also have about, in our library, about 400 um, CD-ROMs oh. where genealogy books have been put onto cd and we have quite a collection of those. So when we hear of a book and we think, oh gosh, do I really want to invest the 50 or $100 or whatever to buy that hardcover or order the, the CD series, there again, maybe a really good idea to check the card catalog online and see if you may even have a copy of it. Or could you interlibrary loan that? No. No. Okay. So that's just if it's in your local center. It would be in our local center. And no, we wouldn't send it out anywhere. That's okay. And books are the same way. Is that right? That's right. I know the last time I was looking at a book that happened to be in Salt Lake City and, and they didn't have it here locally, there was an option that I could request a couple pages of the index to be photocopied and yes. mailed to me. Is that still possible? Oh, and what yes. other options do we have? Uh, well, for one thing, if you find a book that you're interested in, nowadays you've got to find out if it's also digitally yeah. available somewhere. <laughs> uh, so there are a lot of digital places where you might find the book. Also, when you're looking in Salt Lake City's card catalog, uh, when you're looking at the title page in the top right-hand corner, if it says Film Notes, you click on that, and it will give you the film number or microfiche number for ordering that book on microfilm or microfiche. You could bring it into your local library that way. And the benefit of ordering photocopies of, let's say, the M section, if I'm looking for oh, yes. McCloskey's, um, I could order the M section of the index of the book and at least get a, I, a way to narrow down if that book really does have what I want before I start making investments. Oh, sure. And not only that, but it would be a two-step process. But you could order the index, and then you could know which pages you wanted. And then you could send in another form and say, please Xerox for me pages so-and-so and so-and-so. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so much to Marjorie Bell for introducing us to the Family History Center, teaching us how to order and use microfilm, and exploring all the other types of resources available at not only the local, but also the larger regional centers. I can't wait to dig into that online catalog for the Oakland Regional Center. I had no idea that they had so much stuff right there at their location. Well, in our next episode, Marjorie's going to take us on a visit to a center, explore subscription websites for free, and talk about the future of digitizing records. Plus, I'm going to have a link to a free handout, which will help you prep for your own personal visit. 
Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.